0: Control is something that most of us probably struggle with to some extent at one time or another. Well, Tim Sanford says that many of us even worship the control we think that we have. Now, our guest today is the Clinical Director of Counseling Services for Focus on the Family. Tim, welcome to The Morning Conversation. It's good to be here.
1: So excited to uh, talk to you about uh, various things this morning. But uh, one of the things that we always like to do when we have a new guest on is get to know them as a brother in Christ first and hear how they fell in love with Jesus.
0: Well, I was raised as a missionary kid in the hmm. jungles of South America way back when. So wow. God has always been in the story there somewhere with things. It took me until my junior year of high school to make that real and personable. Um, I was riding my bicycle one night and ended up in the, you know, the schoolyard of a local school on the grass and just cried out and. Hmm. God, it's got to be real or I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the night that it became real and I gave my life to Christ. That was back in my junior year of high school.
1: Your friends that were around you, they, they kind of knew the Tim before and uh, you had this experience with God. What did they see different? What did they begin to perceive had shifted for Tim?
0: I don't know if they noticed anything. I've been going to a Christian school. I was interested in God. I've been going to church and Sunday school all my life. So it was of interest to me. But there was this saran wrap veneer between us, Mm. between God and me. And that was the day I was wrestling. I was really depressed. I think clinically back in those days, I didn't even notice it, but just really wrestling with things. And it just came down to that point of, okay, God, either you're real and let's make this real or I'm out. Mm. Um, and so I don't know that other people notice it. I felt the change almost instantly <laughs> going forward. And then it's continued to grow since then.
1: Tim, as a country over the past three years, we've experienced massive major changes and shifts from school shutdowns to working from home to supply shortages to you know, inflation, all this stuff. And then you add to that just the usual unexpected situations of anything from getting rear-ended in your car to loss of jobs, sometimes that, that happens. Loss of people that we love, sometimes that happens. Out of all those dynamics, w- what are some common dynamics to those things That make them so challenging for us?
0: I think the biggest thing here is all of them remind us that we don't have the control that we wish. Mm. They don't take control away from us. They remind us of the control we already do not have. Mm. And we don't like that. I mean, here in the U.S., we worship control. Our cars have cruise control. Our (laughs) buildings have climate control. Our assembly lines have quality control. We worship control. And we think it's our right Mm. to be in control and things to go our way. And I think as Christians, we get this idea too, that we deserve God to give us a good, easy life.
1: Mm.
0: We, he does, he, we deserve that from yeah. him. And Life tells us that's not true.
1: So we were just talking a few moments ago about how, you know, so many things that happen to us that create all kinds of chaos in our lives. At the root of it is a loss of control, like grappling for control. So how would you define control?
0: Control is when you are the only variable to the outcome. Hmm. Now compare that with influence. Influence is when you're one of several variables to the outcome. Try to control a two-year-old, for goodness <laughs> sakes, okay? <laughs> I mean, no. As a parent, I can't control a two-year-old. I can't control a 22-year-old. Now, do I have influencing power? Yes. And so control is when I am the only variable to the outcome, which means then the only thing I can control in this whole universe is me. Hmm. That's it. And I have to grapple and come to agreement. That that's
1: the reality. Tim, as we're talking about this whole era of control, I'm reminded of a book I read years ago that marked me significantly. And there are a number of people who've read it over the years. It's called uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, he talks about the circle of concern, you know, all the things in life that we're concerned about versus the circle of control, the things that we have some control over. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves where we're focusing so much on the, the gap between what we control and what we're concerned about. And it causes our circle of control to even shrink because at the end of the day, we're, we're feeling so helpless and out of control and maybe even victimized through it. But uh, yeah, just that whole concept of like, yeah, there's things that are, that are outside of our control, but are inside of our concern. And that's where a lot of times the anxiety lies, right? That that gap between control and concern.
0: Here's why. Again, if we put it in a bar graph, the first bar is how much I care. This is my concern. Right. And it's a ten whether it's family, right. whether it's my friends. The second bar graph bar is how much I can do. How much is my control? That's only a two or three. And we have this illusion that if I care a 10, I should be able to do a 10. <laughs> right. And if I only care, do a two, I really only care a two. Hmm. See, that's an illusion. That's not true. And so what we do to fill the gap between the two and the 10 is we fill it with worry. Cause at least I'm doing something that. <laughs> And that's where, just like you said, Stan, the anxiety comes in because at least it makes me feel like, again, it's an illusion that I have more control, whether at least I'm doing something. So the lack of control and anxiety come hand in hand all the time.
1: Give us some perspective, Tim, this morning. I mean, we were talking just a few moments ago about, uh, you know, when we care a 10, but we can control a 2, <laughs> and we've got that gap between the 2 and the 10, anxiety can kind of fill that spot up. But if we're not going to fill it up with anxiety, what are we going to fill it up with? How do we handle that dissonance?
0: Okay, anxiety is coined in the phrase, what if? Okay, what if I don't have enough money for the end of the month? Hmm. What if I lose my job? What if my kids don't do this? What if my neighbors think badly of me? What if, what if, what if, what if lions, tigers, and bears? Oh, my. my. (laughs) Okay. And so anxiety always focuses on the future, never the present moment. Hmm. Now, okay, does the future exist yet? No. So what control, again, a good kind of control, do I have over things that do not exist? And the answer is none. Right. So, yeah, you're going to feel out of control because it is. And the, the illusion is then I have to grab harder to get some control. No, 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 no. The solution then is, whoa, stop looking at the future. Get out of the what if, what if world. Come back to right now. You and I are doing this broadcast together right now, right here. And we have th- this phrase, do what you can, not what you can't. So when you're in a situation where things are out of control and you can't do anything else, refocus. What is the next good thing right in front of you that you can do right now?
1: Talk to us about the difference between influence and control. So you mentioned that a little bit earlier that uh, we may not have control over things, but there's some things that we can have influence.
0: Yeah. Influence again is, well, you and I are right now attempting to influence your audience by presenting this information. We can't control whether they listen to us or not, or agree with us. So we're attempting to influence. We want to be wise with our words. We want to be wise with our actions. And we put it out there. That's what the gospel is. That's what the good news is. We put it out there. And, and then think Think of the, the game ping pong, the ping pong table. Okay. On my side of the ping pong table, I can control that. I'm responsible. I'm accountable for what I do. And I hit the ball. It crosses the net. Now it's on your side of the table, Stan. I have no control over that. I stay on my side. I agree with you. And if you choose to put a spin on it or try to slam it back at me, that's yours. It's not mine to control. And so I have to stay on my side of the table. Now, if you put a big spin on it, I got to respond to that now. Okay. But that's how it goes back and forth. I stay on my table. So often what people do, and I see this with parents, particularly of like with teenagers and stuff, is they hit the ball, set the paddle down, run around the ping pong table, grab their teenager's hand, stick the paddle in their hand hit the ball the way they want to, let go of their teenager's hand, run around the table, pick up their paddle, and they're going around and around and around and around on this table, no wonder why they're worn out and they annoy their teenager. No, I can influence you by what I do on my side. But I can only control my side, not yours.
1: Talk to us about the difference between influence and manipulation, right? We don't want we don't want to manip- manipulate people, right? Or our kids or anyone else. And so how do we not cross over from to manipulation from trying to influence?
0: Let's go back to Genesis chapter three in the Garden of Eden. This is a good example. God, being all-knowing, all-present, all-seeing, all hearing, watches Adam and Eve walk towards the tree that's forbidden of. He's listening to their conversation. Does he let them choose or does he stop them? He does not stop them. He lets them choose. Now, they had conversations. They knew the rules. He let them choose. An influencer will speak their mind and then let the other person choose, even if they choose wrongly. A manipulator will go, no, 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 Stan, let's let's re-choose that. I don't think you really want to do that. No, 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 Stan, Um, that's not the way to do it. Stan, yeah, I think you really need to do it. And I won't let you choose. I'll keep talking to you. I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll push, push. I won't let you make that choice unless it's the choice I want you to make. Now I become a manipulator. I don't let you choose.
1: Tim, give us a perspective about what you're seeing in our world in terms of anxiety, the sense of out of controlledness, the spiraling down emotionally, mentally of people. I mean, again, we talked earlier this morning that our world's in chaos, and talk about a lot of things happening that uh, none of us would want to see happen, and it being out of our direct control, and feeling that sense of potential fear, dread. So. What are you seeing clinically as far as with people?
0: And we are seeing that that spike in anxiety disorders um, ever since COVID. I, I think the last number I saw was thirty-something percent of anxiety disorders have just shot through the roof. Yeah, so we're seeing that. We're seeing more uncertainty. We're also seeing, you know, the the people trying to over-control. You know, calling the lawnmower parents or the you know, the tiger moms that are trying to over-control and exude control over their children, over the school system, over their own church, you know, what color carpet there is. I mean, there's this sense of, it's all about me and my rights, and it, life should go the way I want it to, and there's this very selfishness that is inside the church as is much outside the church of, I want things my way, and I think God has to give it to me my way. I deserve it. And that, that, in a sense, if you want to be blunt, that's called worshiping myself. Those are hard words to hear because we don't want to believe that about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yet, if we look at it and break it down, that's what we're doing. We think we have the right to have a good life. Mm-hmm. And the scriptures never promised that. Yeah. In fact, the scripture said, in this life, you will have troubles, ah, but take heart. He didn't say, I'm going to fix the troubles. He says, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So part of this is that if I'm not in control, I need to remember and live out that my God is in control. Whether he lets it turn out my way or not, God is in control. And by faith, and this is an act of wake, when I sit down, take a deep breath, drink my cup of coffee, even though things around me are going awful, that is an act of faith in my God. And it's humility on my part.
1: Tim, how do we know when a normal amount of anxiety. I'll use that phrase. Cause I think it's like, I, I always think about this picture. Like if, if I'm on a rooftop high up and yes, there's a railing there, but you could fall over the railing if you weren't aware and weren't careful and you're really high up. Like it's, there's a very real risk and there's a level of anxiety that I feel when I'm in that situation personally. Some people probably don't, but I think most of us do like, and that's kind of healthy because it keeps us sober around that edge. Like, and so it keeps us careful, keeps us making, trying to make good judgment. But then there's a, a degree of paralyzing fear that people can experience with heights or whatever that crosses over from the normal, healthy. Type of fear, reverence for the situation they're in, and it crosses over to something that's very destructive. So, again, when, as we look at just the world today and all the stuff that's going on, like it's almost impossible not to ever have some level of like, we're in trouble, like there's negative things happening, and there's a little anxiety that's going on inside of me. How do we know when we've crossed over and we're living? in amount of anxiety, that's very destructive. And we, we might need to even get some help.
0: And then with this, I'll, I'll parse our words out because words and definitions are very important. What you're describing when you're on the rail, looking over this heights. Okay. F- first of all, right now, present tense, physically, you're safe. You're still okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you're aware of is, let me call that awareness. You're, you're situationally aware. There is a legitimate situation here that could be in the future somewhere dangerous. So you're clued in, you're aware, your, your alertness is up. That's good. That's our survival tactic. That's not anxiety. That's just, let's call it alertness. Okay. And that's good. We want that. Anxiety then starts to play in, in your mind. Cause it's a thinking pattern. Well, what if the railing breaks? What if I fall over? What if, what if, what if, what if? lions, tigers, bears, and which is where still in the future, Because you're standing just firmly strong on the ground, on the building, but your brain is going in the future what ifs. No, you're situationally aware. And so then you can choose, do I want to take a step backwards or not? Or you may rattle the the railing a little bit to make sure it's strong. Okay, that's just being smart. That's not anxiety. You hear the difference. Mm -hmm. So let's use two different words, situational awareness and anxiety, because we don't want your brain to go into what if, what if, what if, lions, tigers, bears, and why. Because then you can be distracted and actually do something that's not healthy and smart. So awareness is good and smart anxiety is
1: not so tim are there times that we do things unintentionally obviously none of us like to feel those feelings of overwhelm spiraling down anxiety but are there things that we do unintentionally sometimes that actually make it worse
0: yes let me use the example of of rock climbing we were talking beforehand that i was a mountain guide. so let's say i'm climbing i'm going up up is fun i don't worry about going up I worry about what? The future, which is falling. Hmm. And here's what my brain does. What if my hand slips? What if the rock breaks? What if, what if, what if, what if? You hear it. Okay. And it distracts me though, which actually increases my chances of falling because I'm distracted from the present moment. So anxiety actually makes me more vulnerable to the accident and the mistakes that I don't want to make. And so part of being grounded to this present moment right here, right now, and I encourage people to find a mantra I, I, I like the one right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Take that deep breath. That actually makes you safer, more in control, and you're able to do what you can as opposed to afraid of what you can't. Mm-hmm. So that's that important part of retraining my brain to stay right here, Right now, okay, now choose what's the next good, smart thing to do.
1: Tim, talk to us about what I'll call exposure control. And what I mean by that is, and we were talking a few moments ago about, uh, are there things that we can do that actually aggravate our anxiety uh, tendencies and uh, it sure seems to me like exposure is part of that. Like, what are we listening to? Who are we listening to? What are we watching? So, what's the importance when we start trying to really manage anxiety in a season where there's a lot of things that could make us anxious? What's the wisdom of kind of ex- controlling our exposure?
0: And part of that is right now we have way too much, and I'll use the word exposure to all kinds of things in the world. I mean, we have the news, we have our computers. So we're getting inundated with billions and billions of data bytes of things we can't do anything about anyway, because they're in the town next to us, the state, the country, you know, halfway around the globe, and there's all these things. And so 99% of what we're listening to every day, I can't do anything about anyway. Now, when I say that, it sounds like, well, don't you care about what's going on around the world? Yeah, there's a difference between what I care about. I can't do anything about things mm-hmm. right now. And so part of that is, and, and for this is just me personally, one of the things that I have chosen to do is I don't listen to a lot of news. I don't read a lot of stuff online. I limit that, not because I don't care, but because it's not mine to do anything with. And then refocus on what's right in front of me and what I can mm-hmm. do right now. And so that's a big piece of it is we just have too much data and information hmm. and it just reminds us of the control we don't have.
1: We talked earlier this morning, Tim, about when we've got a control level of a two, but we have a concern level of a 10, The more we expose ourselves and decide that we're concerned about things that are even farther beyond our control, we go from a 10 to a 15 to a 20 to a 50, and we're still at a two, right? So talk, talk about expanding the potential anxiety gap. The more that we expose ourselves to that's outside of our control, the more that gap grows.
0: Exactly. And so rather than try to fill it with my anxiety and worry to kind of at least say I'm doing something or at least pretend to show that I care. That's where I come to God and go, God, I can't do anything about this. This is your world. You're in charge of this world. And I lay this at your feet and I'm going to walk away and Mm -hmm. drink my coffee. (laughs) This is your, I I mean, that's how real it is. It's not this nice thing we do on Sundays. It's an every day and sometimes every few moments way I live out my faith going, God, and and I I need to train my brain. You are in control. You are in control right now. The things in Ukraine, the things in the US, the things in the government, you are in control. And I believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which gets right into what I was going to ask you here. So you just answered my question, which beautifully, which is the whole reality in my brain this morning. I've been thinking of it as the God of the gap, right? Our God is the God of the gap. He's the God that fills that gap because he is all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign, And which is a cool thing about being a Christ follower, right? Because if you don't know God, man, talk about uh, having no peace because you have no way of of managing that gap. But when you know God, K-N-O-W, you can know K-N-O-W, peace, because we know that our God is in control.
0: Well, exactly. And that's part of my humble, trusting God. I I was speaking at a conference just this past week and I was driving up going, God, I, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't think I'm good enough. This is big and huge, just beyond me. And very clearly it wasn't an audible voice, but that, that sense, how God speaks to us. He says, Tim, you show up and do your part. I'll show up and do my part. Mm. And there was a huge relief in that stand because I can do my part. That's my control. I can do that. I've practiced. I've got my notes. I've rehearsed things. And God, you show up and do your part. That's. It's not an equal one-to-one tag team. It's a small human to a, an infinite God. But that's a combination that can't be beat. Well, Tim, this has been a wonderful morning, a really rich morning of a lot of great insights that you've been sharing with us. Thank you so much for taking the time to give us a great framework for thinking about control. Really appreciate you spending the time with us this morning. It's good
1: to be here.